The following is a teaching message from the chapel in Tiatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz. So, over the la- we're, we're, we're tracking along in this life. Over the last 25 years, God has had Abraham's ear. He's been, he's been talking to him. Just going to recap. He's been telling him this. I will make you, this is over 25 years, I will make you into a great nation. To your offspring, I will give you this land. Offspring like the dust of the earth. A son who is your own flesh and blood. Offspring like the stars in the sky. Descendants too numerous to count. For I have made you a father of many nations. This has been what God's been saying over 25 years in Abraham's life. But 25 years is a long time, right? Even for these great kind of men of God in the Old Testament. It's a long time. Like, can you imagine if you'd been told or promised something by God in 1998? That's 25 years ago. I wonder how fervent you'll be hanging on like, it's coming, it's coming. But the message is getting clearer for Abraham. In Genesis 17, we read this last week, God said, yes, but your wife Sarah, and, sorry, your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. Now we're getting down to it. 25 years of prophecy, now we're getting down to it this time next year. So we're going to catch up. We're going to catch up with Isaac now. Sorry, Isaac. We're going to catch up with Abraham now. He's basically outside sitting on his porch on a really hot day. He hasn't got a porch, but he's got like a tent. He's sitting out there in the heat of the day. So we're picking it up there in chapter 18 of Genesis. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great tree trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favour in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sears of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife Sarah? they asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. 
Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, <laughs> After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. I don't know how you've reacted to that story, if it's new in your mind or it's kind of, you've read it a long time ago and now you've read it, you've seen something new. But I kind of had three things that kind of jumped out of that story to me. I thought I'd share them with you. The first off, right? So who were the three? The three, it says the three men. Now I could go off here, if we were into this, there is a lot of, I read a lot of, um, different commentaries on it, and a lot of very learned people who know way more of me about scripture, and there was a real debate about who that three was. Some say that was the Trinity, that was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some say one of them was actually Jesus, and the other two were angels. And others say they were just three angels, three messengers of God. So next week, we're gonna, it's going to play out because those three kind of go different ways. So I could have really dropped, I think Andy's preaching next week, I could have really dropped him into a theological <laughs> mess. <laughs> I said, it is definitely this. But we're not going to go there today. But what we, what we often do when we read scripture, if you kind of go, who are those three? Who could they be? You start thinking about it. You interpret scripture as scripture. Let's go forward a bit into Exodus. This is Moses speaking, and he said to God, you know, he was another who talked to God, had face, face to face with God. And Moses said to God in Exodus 33, 18, he says, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live then the lord said there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock when my glory passes by i will put you in the cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until i have passed by then i will remove my hand and you will see my back but my face must not be seen so i think for me that was a clue a little bit about who those three people were those three men that were seen so I'm, not, I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to make any conjecture about it. Because for me, the story, they were messengers of God. God spoke to Abraham through those three. Who the, the maker of that three was isn't important to the message what we're going to talk about today. But that was one jumped out at me. And the story was three messengers. Who were they that jumped out? Another one was, and this is a minor detail, but for the people who make bread here, um, Sarah was asked to go get three Sears. Now, in the translation that I, I read, they gave me some insight, and I've done a bit of um, metric conversion. That's roughly 33 litres of flour. That's some feed, isn't it? Can they make a fair bit of bread, 33 litres of flour? That's a lot of bread. 
And it really kind of spoke of how excited Abraham and Sarah were to host these three. This was almost like worship. He ran. He was 100 years old. He ran to see them and he fell down at their feet and he was excited and joyful to be able to host them. And in that culture back then, hosting was a big deal. When you had guests, you hosted, you fed them well. And he was very excited. And I was just impressed with the, the lavishness of his, of his reaction to being visited by messengers of God. Another thing that jumped out to me was the conversation at the end. I loved that conversation at the end where we had the, the, the news of one of the messengers saying, I will come back this way next year and your wife will have a baby. Meanwhile, wife is listening at the edge of the tent. Again, tradition. The guests are there being kind of hosted by the man, but the, the woman's in the background making all the food and serving. And she hears she's going to have a baby. And she kind of went, as if, have you seen my husband? <laughs> He's 100. I'm 90. That's not going to happen. And then, I don't know, outside, one of them says to Abraham, why did your, in fact, it actually says the Lord said to Abraham, why did your wife laugh about that? And, and then it's kind of like, I, I started to think, I wonder if Abraham actually told a bit, his wife about the prophecy they had earlier about having a baby. I don't know if he told her. But anyway, it seemed like it was her first reaction. Her first reaction was to laugh. And of course, she got a bit afraid when it was kind of brought out that she would laughed because it did say she laughed kind of to herself. And she lied. She said, I didn't laugh. And then we're finished. The passage finishes with, and he said, you did laugh. And you hear, I don't know, crickets. And someone says, well, let's get the dishes done, eh? <laughs> it's, it's one of those awkward moments, kind of like, where do we go with that? God said, you did laugh. And I was reminded, do you, can, for people who have been reading the Bible for a, a long time, maybe, do you remember another story where there was a prediction of there was going to be a baby to an old couple and someone was a bit sceptical? Is there some nods? Do you know who that was? Yeah, John, John the Baptist's dad. And what happened to him? He, was a, he, he didn't laugh. I don't think he, it was quite he laughed, but he did question, how can this be? And the angel of the Lord said to him, well, I'll tell you, because of your, kind of your doubt, you'll be mute until it happens. And you kind of think, well, Abraham and Sarah laughed, and they didn't get anything. And this guy got made mute for nine months. That's not fair at all. And then I flick back to the verse I just read. Um, what the Lord said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. We've always got to remember that God is sovereign. He's the boss. And if you laugh and he thought it was inappropriate, he'd probably do something about it. But somehow I think with Abraham and Sarah, it was okay. We can't compare one person's walk with another person's walk. God is dealing with us, and we've got to love that. It was, I've seen it written that comparison is the thief of joy. And I really like that. Comparison is the thief of joy. Don't compare yourself with other brothers and sisters. We've all got our individual walks, and God treats us. And he will have compassion on whom he will have compassion, and mercy on whom he will have mercy. So God appeared to Abraham in this account we've just read, 
In the last 25 years, he's been speaking to him with increasing clarity. But how do we, how do we as Christians in the 21st century, how do we hear God's voice? I mean, we pray, if you pray the Lord's Prayer, you'll pray that um, your will be, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that. But how do we make it a reality in our lives that his will is done on earth? How do we know what God's will for us personally is? I mean, we've got God's law, we've got his Ten Commandments, Jesus came and, and told us about God's heart and that the commandments were just kind of like a guide, but it's his heart. He told us about his heart and he, he told us what he wanted. But we've got these questions and we go to God's word and we, we find there's a lot of answers in there. But then did, they, did the Bible specifically say, should I play sport on Sunday? Um, is it okay to eat at expensive restaurants when the majority of the world goes to bed hungry? Um, what should I do for a job? Um, where should I live? Is it okay to buy lotto tickets? Uh, who should I marry? I mean, yeah, I've done that one, but rhetorically, who should I marry? Is it okay to travel overseas just for pleasure? There's little things you've got to find out in your, in, your, in, your, in your walk. What's God's will for you? There are tons more questions that we have to deal with as Christians. And often the answers can be between just us and God. And they're not all the same, right? They're not all the same for each one of us. If I, God speaks to me and says, this is what I want you to do, Michael, I can't go preaching that, that that's what everyone should do. It says in Romans, um, when there was this argument about, uh, this Paul's telling about when they're arguing about what you could eat and drink. And in Romans 14, it says, It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. It, that talks very much of an individual conversation with you and God, and he will show you what he wants for you. But... Don't do something that will make another person fall. I think that's, that's important. So how do we hear God's voice? How do we hear God's voice in the 21st century? Abraham had all these visits, and he had visitors, and he had God talking to him directly. How do we, how do we um, settle that in the 21st century? I'm going to give you three ways that I think how you hear God's voice. And the first one is God's word. We read it. If you read God's word, I guarantee you, you will hear his voice. If you listen to it, hopefully today, you will hear his voice. In order to actually, can I say, hear from God, we have to know something about God's character. We have to develop an understanding of who God is and the way he does things. Reading his word with the Holy Spirit helping you and interceding and listening to sound biblical preaching is definitely one way to hear God's voice. As I said, I hope and pray that you hear his voice today. But as always, I think Brian's always encouraged us, whatever you hear from up front, you need to test. You need to test and make sure you read your Bible and make sure that what's being preached up front lines up with Scripture and is not just some crazy opinion of Michael or Brian. You always make sure and interpret Scripture with Scripture. You definitely can hear God's voice reading his word and hearing it preached. A second way you can hear his voice, that small, still voice, is in your head. Now I know this is going to be really kind of, this is going to be ground where you're going to go, whoa, here we go. 
Because people normally in the world, people who are hearing voices in their head are often put in hospital. Because they're crazy. They're hearing... But you can hear God's voice in your head. God can even interrupt our own thoughts through his Holy Spirit. But of course we're going to say, well, how do we tell the difference between God's voice in our head and our own voice in our head and even someone else's voice in our head? We need to know his voice. And John 10, this little passage was called The Good Shepherd and His Sheep. Very truly, this is John 10.10 10 actually, very truly I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. They knew his voice. I think this literally comes down to time and experience about knowing his voice. But knowing him well makes it a lot easier. You know, just like you can recognize your own close friends or family, you can hear a laugh and you know, oh, that's my dad. And you, you can't even see him. Being around, being familiar with your family, you get to know their laughter, the way they say things, their phrasing, the way they behave, the way they act. And that's the same way we get to know our Heavenly Father. The more time we spend with him, the more time we pray, the more time we read his word, we'll get to know more of his character and we'll be better at recognizing his voice. Have you even seen that, like, you could be, oh, say, 300 meters away from someone and, you know, the eyes might not be as good as they used to be, but you can tell who it is by the way they walk? Have you ever seen that? You can actually see by their gait who it was. You go, oh, that's so-and-so, because you just, I don't know, they might have some kind of, some kind of, kind of funk, funky walk. But you know what I'm saying? And that familiarity is what we kind of want with our Lord, that we spend so much time with him, we hear something, and we'd say, that's just what Dad would say. And that familiarity is a good thing. That's when we know his voice. And I've probably told you, this is the thing, when you've been in a family for a while, you kind of, you know, I love telling stories. I, I, I kind of forget which story I've told to who. And my wife, <laughs> you can tell, she just rolls her eyes and just goes, oh, here he goes again. And even, my kids pull me up every time. Yeah, Dad, you've told us this one. Yeah, come on. So I don't know if I've told you this. I've got probably... I don't know, two or three God's voice stories. And I, I, I don't know, I'll tell you one today. I hope, I hope it, hope, I probably have told it before, but it, it's, it's, it was, you've got to tell it, it's God. Um, and this is the one where I, to, I told about the small, still voice. How, how did I know this was God? Was it because I was in the middle of a prayer and he interrupted me? Now, normally my thought patterns don't work like that. I don't be praying in my head and then someone interrupts. And so I had a clear distinction. I, it was so, it was such an interjection, it was like it was almost audible. And it freaked me out. It honestly did. If I haven't told this before, I'll, 
So I was in a, I was in a messy Presbyterian church. We were having a prayer meeting, and um, I'd been told, I don't know, a couple of days before, that they wanted me to give my testimony in front of church. And I'm not uncomfortable in speaking in front of people, so that didn't worry me. But I was kind of thinking, oh, my days. I'm going to give my testimony. And we'd had testimonies before at church, and they were spectacular. There were people who were, you know, kind of born on the street. Um, their parents were, no, this, yeah, this is for real. Their parents were drug addicts, and they'd come out of that, and God had touched their life and found them, and now they're on the straight and marrow. We had guys who'd been in prison, and their testimony. And then we've got Michael's testimony. You know, brought up in a Christian home, never drunk, never done drugs, never sworn, never got a detention, never got the strap, never did anything wrong, was a good boy, and then became a Christian at a Christian camp. I became a Christian and no one noticed because I'd lived the life already. And I was mulling these thoughts over in kind of in a prayerful way in, in the church. And I still get the walls of the story. And as I'm praying this, I just hear this voice. How dare you? And I was just, I actually kind of opened my eyes and looked around thinking someone had just said it. And it completely freaked me out. How dare you? And then it was almost like God just started just talking to me and said, in a more gentle kind of way, Michael, do you think it was a fluke? You were born into a Christian home. Do you think it was a fluke that your parents loved you and cared for you and prayed for you? Do you think it was a fluke they took you to church every Sunday? Do you think it was a fluke that they made sure you went to Sunday school? Do you think it was a fluke that they made sure you went to youth group? Do you think it was a fluke that I surrounded you with good Christian leaders who were role models to you? Do you think any of that was a fluke? That is your story. That is my plan for you and my love for you. How dare you? So God told me off. And that was the time. I will go to my grave and if anyone ever says, you know, this, this is that true thing. God is not real. That is rubbish. God is so real. How do I know God is real? I heard his voice. And this, it wasn't pleasant, to be fair, but I heard his voice. We need that still, small voice. We need, to be, we need to know what our dad's voice sounds like. I get a lot of, um, everyone's got their own, I often talk about frequencies. How do you hear God? What frequency is God's voice on? And we've all got our own frequencies with God. Some people, even now in church, God's speaking to them. You go for a walk in, in, you know, in the in the bush, on a beach, God speaks to them. They see creation. Just, oh, that's so real. God speaks to them. Everyone's got their own. In quiet times, God speaks. In a song, God speaks. I get a lot of, my frequency is music. I get a lot of God speak um, in music. And so I'm going to quote a couple of songs here. This is one goes out to all the Newsboys fans out there. How does the Holy Spirit speak to us? It's just a spirit thing. It's just a holy nudge. It's like a circuit judge in the brain. It's just a spirit thing. It's here to guard my heart. It's just a little hard to explain. It pushes when I quit. It smells a counterfeit. Sometimes it works a bit like a teleprompter. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the voice in your head. 
Another positive step to tuning your ears to God is to monitor what your ears get to listen to. I am constantly amazed how God speaks to me through music and, of course, filtering that content of what that medium brings to my ears is a good thing. Music is just one medium. Another key to tuning into God's small voice is to restrict the amount of noise or clutter coming in and that we do that by pausing and being quiet and listening. That place we talked about where um, the three visitors visited uh, Abraham, that was by the Oaks, of, was the Oaks of memory? Mamre? Yeah. That was special to him because back in Genesis 13, right at the beginning, God said to Abraham, Arise, walk about this land through its length and width, for I will give it to you. So Abraham moved his tent and came and lived by the Oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. That was a special place for him. That was the place he, after being promised that this was his land, he was going to settle. So that was a special place. He built an altar to mark the promise of God. So sometimes God speaks to us in special places, in quiet places, in places of worship. So that's another key. And can I quote another song? And this is actually a secular song, but man, they nailed it. This is a, a song called Learn to Be Still by the Eagles. Can you believe it? Sometimes worldly people speak some wisdom. We are like sheep without a shepherd. We don't know how to be alone. So we wander around the desert and wind up following the wrong God's home. I thought that was profound. We need to learn to be still. Remember, when we were born again, God made us a new creation. Says in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Kind of lines up with what Bill was saying. Praise God. But when we made a new creation, he doesn't brainwash us. Have you ever noticed that? You can become a Christian, you've got the same old brain as you've always had. He doesn't brainwash us. We've got to sort our own brain out. We need to give the Holy Spirit free reign to work into our life through our brain. We're not robots. God did not make us robots. He gave us a free will. We have to renew our mind. Romans, famous verse, Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. By renewing your mind, your listening will get way better. You'll be able to hear his voice and you'll be able to prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. But on the flip side, I can't just tell you that God's going to be speaking to you in church when you read the Bible and not talk about the other voices in your head, right? Um, again, quoting a song, one of my faves when I was growing up as a um, teenager was Amy Grant. I think I had a kind of a, maybe I could have had a crush on her actually. I don't think she was married at that time. Um, but she had a great song, and I used to listen to all this sort of music, and a song, and the lyric was, you've got to know who to, who not to listen to. You've got to know who to, who not to listen to. And I, I've get, just as I've had God speak to me in my head, I've had things jump in my head when I know that is so not God. So I'm thinking, who was that? 
If that wasn't God, it wasn't me. Because I've had things, and this is, this is totally, and you can think this guy's a nutter. You might want to put me away. I've been, I used to catch the train into Newmarket when I worked in Newmarket, standing on the, on the platform, and there was a, you know, I think she was elderly, an elderly woman there, and I had this thought, when the train comes up, why don't you push her? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's a shocker. I've got a really quick brain. I can think of things really quickly. If, you ever, if we ever get, get going in a kind of like an argument or a debate or we're joking and doing, doing dad jokes, I am pretty darn quick. If, if you're playing, uh, what's the, not charades, or your charades or Pictionary, you want me on your team. I can, I can blat out when someone just draws a line, I can say about five things what that line could be. If they draw a circle, you know, it's just, it's, it's just the sun, the planet, the planet. I can speak really quick, but God, the Holy Spirit, has given me a filter. Yeah, I, no, I didn't push the lady, if you want. But we, we kind of joke about it, but it is real, real. Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6. Finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Yes, I'm mentioning the devil. He speaks. His stuff is out there too. He can put things, he can fire things at me. This is where we're going. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. What are the flaming arrows? Why don't you push that lady off the platform? Why don't you say to that lady that she looks fat? Why don't you say to your friend, you really annoy me a lot of the time when you tell these stupid stories. Why don't you tell your wife, get your own drink. I'm serious. This is stuff that comes in, into your head. They are the flaming arrows of the evil one. And do you know what? I was taught years ago by a very wise man. He said, Michael, take captive those thoughts. That's the scripture take captives, those sorts. So I actually, when, I, when a thought like that jumps in, I don't kind of go, oh, Michael, you shouldn't be thinking that. I say in my head, and this might kind of seem like a religious thing to do, I say, I rebuke you, Satan. Get behind me. Get behind me, Satan. I just go bang, bang, bam, bam, bam. Where did I learn that trick? I tell you what I learned it. I learned it, I learned it from the Master, the Lord Jesus Christ. He went out in the desert, Matthew 4, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, Pew, fiery dart. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And he did that three times. What did he do? This is the Lord, the Son of God. He used the word of God against Satan. So if it's good enough for the Son of God to go bang with the shield of faith 
hit a scripture back, we should do the same. If you get evil thoughts in, you bind them in Jesus' name. Jesus said to him, and after the exchange, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. James said it in four, in chapter 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I think it's a, re- a reality that thoughts come in that are not of God, they're not good for you, and you can rebuke them. You don't have to do it out loud. That might be, they might put you away. If you're at the train station and the train was coming and I had the thought about the lady and I said, I rebuke you, Satan, she might be a, a bit disturbed. But honestly, this is, this is, I do this every day. This is every day I will have this, this thought thing can come in. It's not from in here. I've got a new heart. I'm a new creation. I've got a heart after God. This is an attack. I bind it. We move on. But the stuff that you, I'm not going to tell you all the stuff that comes in. Because it's <laughs> the third way you can hear God's voice. The third way you can hear God's voice. Another way that God speaks to us is through his people. Other people. Sometimes directly. God, they, they can bring a prayer. They can bring a word to you. And I think sometimes just hanging out in groups almost um, increases the reception. It's like kind of like a cell tower. The reception is a lot better when you're in, in groups of his people. So this is often, for me, this is one of my frequencies. I said that God often spoke to me through music. I get a lot of kind of God speak when I'm with his people. When someone's preaching, when we're singing songs, when people are sharing, God's just going, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's a great thing. I mentioned um, too that people, of course, can have, they can speak words into your life. And we've got to be cautious too that a, a a brother or sister can bring a word to us and we've always, always got to kind of go, hmm, test it out because sometimes we can pray for each other and we can be so well-meaning that we just say prayers that can just be just really nice and it's a big responsibility to bring a word on someone's life and say, I feel that God is saying this about you and so when that happens, I still think we need to test it, we need to kind of go, hmm, you know, there's going to be a step of faith that you're going to take that word upon yourself but there's Often you can get a second opinion from another loved brother or sister who you, you kind of mentor with or something. It is often good to get a second or even a third opinion. When it's about big stuff, it was, if it was about where we're we going for lunch, I wouldn't be too concerned if you, you know, if they felt that you needed to go there. But you know what I'm saying? If someone was bringing a word to you about a big deal, like, hey, I know who you should marry, whoa, start to go, okay, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to test that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a second or third opinion on that. People definitely speak into our lives. That is another way that we hear God's voice. I've got to bring a scripture to say, how, how, do we, how, do we, how do we kind of test? If someone's told it, spoken into our lives, how do we test it? Philippians 4, 6, 8 has got some guidelines. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message from the chapel in Teatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz or email info at thechapel.org.nz.